0: Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. So I'm going to start off talking about uh, a very, very common way that um, people living in today's modern society and modern culture and way of eating and drinking are imbalancing their hormones. And that way is through blood sugar balance this is a really important topic because when you have, um, when you measure your blood sugars, all right, and there's actually, you can do this at home. This is something that I've done as a health transformation expert. I mean, I try to, I try and I tried and I'm in the process of continuing to understand my body better and better and better. So what I did was um, a while ago, I purchased a glucometer and if you're friends with, or family with, or are yourself diabetic, you know that's it's a system where you can buy it from your like local drug food store. Like in Canada, we have Shopper's Drug Mart, you know, you can buy it there. It's usually around $100, and it comes with, you have to buy the little um, needles and the test strips that come with the little machine. And you can actually, like, prick your finger, and you put the blood on the test strip, test strip which is uh, attached to the machine, and it measures your blood sugar, so it tells you you have this concentration of sugar in your blood and there are known ranges of normal and abnormal blood sugar. But the interesting thing is there's, and then there's certain diagnoses that your doctor will give you if you hit a certain concentration. So if you have, if you start to over time, build up your levels of sugar in the blood, once you hit a certain point, like your doctor's going to say, you are in pre-diabetic state, you're in pre-diabetes, you don't actually yet meet the criteria for diabetes, but you are on that road and so we should probably start like doing lifestyle changes and the doctor, will, the doctor will say we should exercise and change your diet and all that kind of stuff. And a certain proportion of those people will progress like the blood sugars will get worse and worse and then they'll be diagnosed with diabetes. So not everybody who becomes pre-diabetic will, be, will eventually become diabetic um, and until not too long ago, once you became diabetic, it was thought it's still thought by mainstream medicine that it's not a reversible condition. like once you have it, you have it. At first, they, you know you manage it with medications like metformin is a common one, and then as it gets worse, which it often does, you, they start even injecting the hormone insulin, which is the hormone for blood sugar that I mentioned at the very beginning. Now there's a few interesting things about this is that by the time you're pre-diabetic, you've kind of been living a lifestyle. You have been living a lifestyle that is not balancing your blood sugars appropriately. Because if you had been living a lifestyle that was good for blood sugar balance, you wouldn't have gotten to a pre-diabetic state. Okay. And if you're diabetic, I mean, you're definitely living a lifestyle that's not balancing your blood sugars properly. And Having uh, you know trained and practiced as a Western medicine doctor with the mainstream medicine training, I know that the recommendations that are currently being given to improve blood sugar balance are are lacking in its completeness. Like there's more information to be had to truly, truly, truly balance your blood sugars, and that's based on. Cutting edge science, and also like another body of research that just hasn't yet made its way into mainstream medicine. But it's not, to, it's not to say that certain mainstream doctors are not practicing this way. For example, a very well-known doctor in this field, Dr. Jason Fung, he's an internal medicine doctor practicing out of Toronto. He trained at the University of Toronto, which is the same medical um, school, the same university I obtained my medical doctorate degree. So, we're kind of alumni, I guess you would say. And he um, has this wonderful clinic called thefastingmethod.com where he helps people reverse type 2 diabetes. He's even published research to show that this is doable like it's possible right and once you take one person who has type 2 diabetes and you help them reverse it you know it's possible for many other people he's doing this regularly as part of his practice so it's it's not like you know woo woo kind of for me to say that you can actually reverse type 2 diabetes it's completely proven published and doable and i've seen it happen myself so why is it important to balance your blood sugars other than preventing pre um, prediabetes and diabetes well it's important to understand that even if you're an individual who isn't pre-diabetic or diabetic, um, you can still be experiencing certain degrees of hormonal imbalance. And anyone who has pre-diabetes or diabetes knows that it's not just that you have problems with your blood sugar balance. As I mentioned before, there's usually a lot of other stuff going on by that time. Like those people do have issues with fatigue; they do have problems with like various organs in their body like the eyes and the kidneys and the gut and the liver the skin um the blood vessels blood flow like they're kind of like the canaries in the coal mine like they're the ones who really experience this but even people who are who don't have that diagnosis can be experiencing hormonal imbalances as a result of the way that they're eating drinking sleeping coping with their stress, and being able to naturally detoxify certain toxins in the environment that do predispose people towards having imbalanced hormones, okay? But what I'm going to focus on here today is what we are, is like the first part of what we are very much able to control, which is what we eat and what we drink. And this became very evident to me when I started to monitor my own blood sugars, first with this glucometer, and then actually right now I have on me, on my arm, a continuous glucose monitor, which is usually uh, something that certain people, like like people with diabetes sometimes will choose to use where you actually put a sensor on the back of your upper arm and it continuously reads your blood sugar and it lasts for about two weeks and then you have to get a new one. Um, the reason not everyone uses it is because it's definitely more pricey than the, than the glucometer. But I was really fascinated and I thought this kind of real time information would be so interesting, especially like at times like at night, right, when you wouldn't be measuring your blood sugars and, and, you know, pretty busy in throughout the day. So oftentimes I would forget to measure my blood sugar and my fingers were getting like a bit sore <laughs> with pricking my fingers all the time. So I was just really fascinated by this device. So I, um, you know, I've, I've been monitoring my blood sugars and there's a lot of lessons learned um, that I'm going to share with you. However, I, st- I, I want to continue to explain to you why it's important to keep your blood sugar balanced. Let's say you're an individual who is eating a standard American diet, okay? And you may even think that you're eating the healthy version of the standard American diet like I did. I used to have horrible hormonal um, balance. And this was at a time when I thought I was super, super healthy, okay? And what I didn't know is that there's been some really sneaky foods that have gotten into our standard way of eating, like just culturally acceptable way of eating, that really, really imbalance our blood sugar, okay? And the, the foods that really cause your blood sugar to go too high... And then too low. And I'll explain how that happens. So like an imbalance in blood sugar means your blood sugar is is going really, really high and then dropping really, really low. So these massive swings in blood sugar, like blood sugar goes up and blood sugar goes down. Um, And what you actually want is you want to eat something and you want to see your blood sugar slowly rise as the body breaks down the food and absorbs absorbs it, and then slowly go down again, not too low. So like not too high, not too low, like a wave okay within what i call the goldilocks zone okay and what happens is when you eat a food that has that beneficial healthy effect on your body that's when you're eating a food that i will i will call here for the sake of explanation a slow carbohydrate a slow carb so it's a food that has carbohydrates in it but the way it's packaged by mother nature it causes the body to slowly release the sugar into the bloodstream okay and so foods that are like that are um, vegetables because it's the carb is packaged in fiber. So it's a slow release of sugar into the bloodstream and whole grains, which are things like uh, white basmati rice, real oats, not quick oats. That's a fast carb, but real oats. So, st- so rolled oats or steel cut oats, um, amaranth, millet, sorghum, teff. However, these actually still have to be whole. They can't have been turned into flour. As soon as you take a carbohydrate and you turn it into a flour, that is by definition now a refined flour. And that is now a fast carb, which is when you eat that, because it's in a powder form really, and then held together with things like gluten or xanthan gum or whatever it is that holds that together. Egg, that kind of stuff, it still gets quickly released into the bloodstream and it quickly and drastically very highly spikes your blood sugar. Okay. Other foods that do that are things like rice flour. And so gluten free foods with any kind of flour in them are very, very bad for blood sugar balance. So you can have individuals out there who are eating gluten free foods and unbeknownst to them are. Badly balancing their blood sugar. So their blood sugar is getting out of whack, which has downstream very bad negative effects over time. Other kind of sneaky foods that have this effect are things like um, dairy replacement products. So if you look at like dairy-free products where they replace dairy with like other things in order to get that mouthfeel of, you know, that texture that's kind of dairy-like, oftentimes it has a lot of these like flowers in them. Okay. Another thing is any kind of processed food um, oftentimes has lots of hidden sugars in it. So there's about 50 different words for sugar in processed foods, like dextrose, mannose, sucrose, um, agave, coconut nectar, anything that says nectar or syrup, brown rice syrup, coconut flour, sugar, palm sugar, whatever it is, right? It's like, all of these things, essentially, what they are is what fast carbs. They get quickly absorbed into the body and really spike your blood sugar really, really high. Another thing that we've been told is healthy for us, but is not good for blood sugar balancing, is smoothies made out of fruits. Now, there's certain ways to make smoothies that will not make your blood um, sugar balance go out of whack, like using vegetables. And if you're going to add a fruit, like just a small amount of fruit, like maybe like a quarter of a banana or like a handful of blueberries or something like that. But I've, I've met many people who have um, what they think is a really healthy smoothie and it's like mangoes and strawberries and blueberries and bananas, and then a little bit of kale or something like that. That is really, really, really bad for blood sugar balance because when you blender a fruit the fiber becomes pulverized basically and can no longer buffer, like protect the body from that quick absorption of sugar. Okay. So that's another way um, that people are getting too much um, sugar. And then if you're, for example, like eating fruit is healthful, but again, there's a Goldilocks zone. So if you're eating a lot of fruit all the time, because you actually do have a little bit of a sugar addiction and, and you're like, trying not to eat processed foods or chocolates and that kind of stuff. And so you're eating sugar. That was (laughs) fruit. That was like me at one point where I was like trying to wean myself off of sugar. And I just started eating so much fruit. My blood sugar started to really spike. um, And I could see that. And it was very helpful for me to see that because if I hadn't been monitoring my blood sugar, I would never have known that these foods were really spiking my blood sugar. And why is that important? Well, let's like, Let's have a little window into the body right now, okay? So the blood sugar, you eat your, your fast carb. And other fast carb things obviously are like pasta, pizza, pastries, crackers, cookies, uh, any sort of gums. Oh, and here's a big one, fruit juices. And I see a lot of parents all very well-intentioned giving their kids fruit juices, including coconut ju- water, by the way. Coconut water does spike blood sugar. so. Um, Not to say that it's bad, but it can be unhealthy if being used in replacement of water. Like, you know, we still need water and then coconut water would be like the occasional treat. Okay. Kombucha. Kombucha can have a lot of really bad sugars in it. And so, um, and obviously pop drinks and all those kinds of things, right? So, okay, let's say you're having that thing and it's spiking your blood sugar. What's happening? Your blood sugar goes up. Your pancreas senses the blood sugar level and says, okay, I have to make the hormone insulin. The hormone insulin gets released into the bloodstream and it starts knocking on the doors of the cells, telling the cells to open to let in the sugar. The sugar rushes in. And because there was a lot of sugar released into the blood, causing it to spike very high, a lot of insulin had to be made in response. So a lot of sugar rushes into the cells and then all of a sudden the blood sugar goes from very high to crashing very low now for some people they may not even feel that um for some people they will feel that as hypoglycemia like they'll start to feel weak and a bit nauseous a little bit faint a little bit dizzy and they might and they'll know that they have to eat something a little bit sweet to bring their sh- blood sugar back up but what they didn't know was before that hypoglycemic that low blood sugar event there was a high hyperglycemic blood sugar event, but you don't feel the hyperglycemia, okay? But in order to become hypoglycemic, you had to be hyperglycemic first unless you've been starving yourself and you haven't learned how to burn fat for fuel and then your body will start to feel um, the need. So if you're, yes, if you're fasting and you haven't yet, the body hasn't yet gotten used to burning fat for fuel, you will feel hypoglycemic. But for most people, They've eaten a fast carb, the blood sugar goes up very high, insulin gets released, the blood sugar drops down really low, and then the person starts to feel really unwell. And they have to eat something, and if they're not aware, what they'll do is they'll eat the same thing that caused the problem in the first place, which is a fast carb, and now you're on this roller coaster of sensations, right? And for some people, they don't experience like the dizziness or the faintness, but they will experience a craving for food. And that's where a lot of our food cravings come from, is from these episodes of too low blood sugar that followed the episodes of too high blood sugar, okay? Compared to eating a slow carb where you have like a little bit of blood sugar released into the bloodstream, it goes up a bit, a little bit of insulin gets pumped out by the pancreas, the blood sugar gently kind of goes into the cells, the the blood sugar drops as a result, but not too low, and you're kind of in this very stable zone. In that very stable zone, your body is able to burn fat, okay? Because um, you can't have too much insulin in your body in order for the ability for your body to, your body to burn fat to be turned on. If, you, if you're in the zone of too much insulin being released frequently, the message to the body is don't burn fat, Okay. It's um, And one day I'll get into that kind of why that happens. But in your mind, what you can equate in your mind is too high insulin uh, will cause the body to lock down its fat stores and not access them. So you could be someone who's trying to lose weight and you're eating a low calorie diet you're eating your gluten-free foods and having your fruit smoothies and you know you're really watching what you're eating and you just don't see the needle move the way you want it to it's not for lack of willpower it's not for lack of um, effort it's because you you're, you're not aware of the fact that hormones are deeply controlling how you can burn your fat stores okay so That's, um, so that's a second reason why you have a hard time losing weight is when you get the cravings, which make you eat when, even when you don't want to, and you, you are basically creating a hormonal messaging system in the body to say, don't burn fat. We have too much sugar. We got to deal with that. Okay. So it's a very, very interesting situation that a lot of people get themselves into. And then if that were to continue over time there's these like um, effects that play down. So I'll go down one stream of effects that happen over time. Uh, One stream of effect is that your hormone cortisol starts to get all dysregulated. And that's because the body reacts to um, blood sugar as being a stressful event. Okay. So if your blood sugar drops too low, um, you basically get like, um, like a stress response in the body and then you have to pump up more cortisol and cortisol will have many different effects in the body, including making the, causing the liver to make more sugar. And you might say, well, why, why would cortisol do that? And be like, well, okay, let's pretend we're like 20,000 years ago and you're, you know, living in the jungle, everything is good. And then all of a sudden you see a tiger and you're like, holy crap, got to run away from this tiger so you're running away from this tiger and you're using up a lot of energy, right? You're, you're using up the sugar because that's what gets used first. Your blood sugar's dropping and, and you're, you're on adrenaline, cortisol kind of like get away from this tiger and, you, and what the cortisol does is it goes to the liver and says, okay, we need quick access to sugar and liver, the liver will actually like create sugar even. It's called gluconeogenesis to make new sugar. Um, in the liver and dump it out into the blood okay so you're getting this like so too much insulin can uh, trigger too much uh, cortisol release and you start to get issues with imbalancing of cortisol and when you start to have problems with balancing cortisol you start to have problems with balancing progesterone because you need progesterone to make cortisol so you start draining your progesterone to make your cortisol and the building blocks for progesterone and cortisol are the same building blocks that you need to make testosterone and estrogen so if you start to drain those too much you start to also affect the production of estrogen and testosterone and you could see how over time this would lead to problems with hormonal balance so that's one path towards hormonal imbalance as a result of this blood sugar balance issue the other path which is very very interesting is that remember i said that hormone insulin is like the key and the receptors like the lock on the cell. If you're constantly, if you think about it, like let's say you have a lock and you have a key and you're always jamming that key into the lock, right? You're just like jam, jam, jam. Well, the body is able to replace the lock, like the body's self regenerating, regenerative. It's quite amazing, but it does have a tipping point. And after a certain amount of producing insulin, The body starts, like the locks, you know, the receptors start to get like, um, you can call it rusty. Like they start to become insensitive to the insulin. They no longer work as well when the insulin comes along and kind of inserts into them. And that's called insulin resistance. Okay. Now, if you start to develop insulin resistance in the muscles and that were to continue over time, you would develop prediabetes and then type 2 diabetes. If you develop insulin resistance in the brain, and that were to develop over time, you would develop Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is now called type 3 diabetes. There's at least four different kinds of Alzheimer's that have been identified, and and at least one of them have a component of insulin resistance in the brain. And they know this because they actually took people with, at different stages of Alzheimer's who died and they autopsied the brain and they saw that the stage of Alzheimer's was directly correlated with how much insulin resistance was in the brain, in the cells of the brain. And that may or may not have been associated with diabetes. So it seems to be that there's some people who genetically predisposed to become insulin resistance in different parts of the body. And insulin resistance affects the ovaries and this very interesting way that the ovaries start to imbalance the production and like the breakdown of testosterone. And now these women are having too much of a testosterone breakdown products in the ovaries and they start to develop dysregulation of that. And they'll, exp- they'll experience issues with, um, uh, hair growth, right. Which is like a testosterone derived issue. Okay. Um, so abnormal ha- hair growth, cysts in the ovaries, infertility, problems with their menstrual cycles, okay? And that all has to do with hormonal imbalancing. And there there are other reasons to have that issue happening in the ovaries. Like, for example, there's some evidence of like certain toxic exposures. However, the predominant root cause of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which which is like um, a syndrome is like a collection of things that happen together, um, seems to be um, a hormonal imbalance related to um, the hormone testosterone, and that seems to be linked to the development of insulin resistance and the effects of that uh, on the ovary specifically, which is pretty interesting, um, not so much for the people experiencing it because it's terrible to experience. Um, however, the fact that we're starting to understand this better is awesome because that means we can help people prevent it and reverse it, right? So this is why. When doctors say that you can reverse disease through nutrition, it's absolutely true and it's extremely powerful. Now, other things that can imbalance your blood sugar. So we've covered we've covered the fast carbs. Another thing is um, poor sleep. So I was like, the last uh, week has been an interesting one for me personally. There's been some you know um, going ons in the world events, and I'm usually fairly Calm with that kind of stuff. Like, I do a lot of mindset work and personal growth and development and meditation. And this last week, um, I got to test and use all of those tools to help me balance my stress levels. And before I could get on top of it, um, I eventually did get on top of it, but it took me a couple of days. And what I noticed as I was wearing my continuous glucose monitor was that my blood sugar control was really bad. It went from being really good to really bad. And all that change was my level of stress because as I mentioned before, the cortisol hormone, which is your hormone of stress, um, one of the things it does is causes your your liver to dump sugar, like to produce and create and then put sugar into the blood. So my stressed out state was causing um, my high blood sugars. Okay. So you could imagine how um, people living in a, in a chronically stressed state, which is a lot of us, coupled with um, you know the standard American diet with like just fast carbs all over the place. By the way, milk is a fast carb because it's got a lot of lactose in it. So even drinking milk will have issues with that, okay? Um, so you couple stress with the fast carbs. And then what I noticed was because I was stressed out, I would awaken in the middle of the night, just like around two or three o'clock, just like, bing, like, I'm like wide awake. Why? Because cortisol is also the awakening hormone. Like, your hormone naturally is supposed to go up at a certain time of um, the day, okay, Um, which is in the morning. And so, but if it goes up too high and too quickly, like, it'll wake, it'll go up in the middle of the night because your subconscious mind is still trying to process your stress, Right. So I'm getting like, I'm like subconsciously stressed while I'm still asleep and my cortisol hormone goes up and I wake up in the middle of the night and I could see my blood sugar response was like really high, like at three in the morning. Now for some people, they'll awaken in the middle of the night because their blood sugar dropped too low because they had a fast carb at like dinner time or after dinner time. So they had the spike in the sugar, went to bed, the blood sugar dropped too low and that woke them up. Okay. So that's, and oftentimes you, are, you wake up with like kind of like a craving, you know, for water or for food or something like that. But I was waking up with like my mind just alert, like I was awake and there was like no way I was going back to sleep. So it was a different kind of awakening response, which is like quite fascinating to go through actually. And in a way, I'm really grateful that it happened while well, I had my continuous glucose monitor because I was actually able to see how that stress hormone cortisol was so like clearly and strongly impacting my blood sugars. So to summarize the main things that seem to be affecting poor blood sugar balance in most of us is the fast carbs I would say first stress comes a close second if not equal or more for some people and poor sleep.
1: Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.